right, last Sunday night, I started talking to you about God, specifically the one true God, and the fact that we as Christians believe what the Bible teaches, that is that there's only one true God, there's lots of gods, but only one of them's true, and only one of them's living, and uh, we talked about how this one true God is eternally existent in three persons, you guys remember that? God the Father, good, God the, and God the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, what that song said, right? Um, so tonight, I want to talk to you more specifically about God the Son. Now, God the Son has a name, and his name is, good, why do you got that one pretty quick? Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God. Now, this is what's interesting about Jesus because people really for a, really since Jesus came to this earth have debated about who Jesus was. Not in the sense that, you know, he was a man who lived in Nazareth, he died on a cross, yada, yada. Those things are historical facts and can be proven. Um, even people outside of Christianity say that, yes, there was a person named Jesus. He lived in Nazareth and he was crucified at the hands of the Romans under the rule of Pontius Pilate. In this certain time frame. But, uh, but there's some interesting things about Jesus. He was a man. He was a human being. But he claimed to be more than just a man. And he was 100% man. But he also was God. And is God. In human flesh. It's kind of weird to think about. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's weird to think about. But God, instead of being far off and not caring about human beings on earth, decided to come to earth. And he came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. So there's some things that we've got to understand from the get-go. First is this. Jesus, was he a man or was he God? You tell me. Good, somebody over here got it right first. He's both. He's a human being. He lived and walked on this earth. He's also God. You say, Jake, how's that possible? I'm not exactly sure. But here's what the Bible tells us happened. Kind of gives us some logical evidence for something that's completely illogical, at least in our finite minds, to comprehend. Jesus wasn't conceived like every other human being. I'm not going to go into all the, uh, the physical descriptions of this. You can ask your parents later. But it takes a man and a woman to make a baby. You guys got that part? All right, good. Well, with Jesus, that wasn't the case. Here's the deal. There's a woman named Mary. Most people think she's a teenager. And an angel comes to Mary in a dream. And the angel says, Mary, Mary's just afraid and startled angel says, don't be afraid, I, I bring you good news of great joy. And, uh, it's all right, the angel says, you, you found favor with God. In other words, God has chosen you to do something very special. He hasn't chosen anybody else to do. And Mary says, okay. The angel says, the Holy Spirit is going to put in your womb a baby. You're going to give birth to him and you're going to name him Jesus. Now, here's what was so weird about this whole thing with Mary. 
Mary had never been with a man before. She had never had sex with anybody. There's no way that she could be pregnant. But yet the Holy Spirit put a child inside of her womb. And this child didn't have the DNA of a human father. He had the DNA of God the Father in heaven. He also had the DNA of Mary because he was placed there in Mary's womb. And so he's born as God in human flesh. Pretty cool, isn't it? Fully God and fully man. Just try to wrap your mind around that. It's kind of really weird in one sense, but it's also amazing in another, is it not? So think about this. If a human has a baby, what is that baby going to be? A donkey? It's going to be a human, right? Mary had a baby, so Jesus, Jesus was a human being. Now think about this, the same train of thought. If, if a goat has a baby, we, we call it a, a kid, not a human kid, but a goat, a kid, right? If a chicken hatches a little egg, you don't expect the dinosaur to pop out of it. You expect the chick to hatch out of the egg, right? If God has a son, what would you expect his son to be? God. Jesus, born in human flesh, but came down from his Father in heaven, put in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is who Jesus is. Over in Colossians chapter 1, a guy named Paul gave perhaps one of the best descriptions of Jesus in all the Bible. And if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, that's fine. If you, if, if you don't, you can just listen along. But over in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Here we go. Paul says this about Jesus. For Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now he is the, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This is a description of God the Son. Of Jesus Christ. Now God rescued us from the domain of darkness. Remember we talked about last week how God is a loving father. And he doesn't want to just leave his children in the middle of their sin. And he also doesn't want to make light of their sin. I mean there's a, a perfectly loving father. Which is who we have in heaven as our God. Isn't just going to hate you when you do something wrong and mess up. And never forgive you and never want to talk to you again. But he's also not going to make light of the wrong that you do in rebellion against him. And living a life that's not full of purpose and satisfaction for yourself and glory to him who's created you. A loving father is going to be perfect in love. 
a holy father is going to be perfect in justice. And that's who we have in God. So God came up with a plan. He had this plan. Even before the foundation of the world was laid, that he would send his only son into the world. And this is how he rescued us from the domain of darkness. Jesus, when he's walking on the earth, was preaching to people and he said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus came to make a way in the darkness. He provided light so that we could see. And then it says that God transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In other words, every single person who's born into this world and on this earth is born with a sin nature. Here's why. You remember the story of a couple, the very first two human beings on earth? Their names were Adam and Eve. What did they do? Just simply put, they sinned. That means they did something wrong. They disobeyed God. They did what they shouldn't have done. Now, they were created with an innocent nature, created to reflect God's glory and to honor Him in all that they did. God put them in the midst of this luscious garden called Eden. It was paradise. And He said, man, you can eat from any of these beautiful and fruitful trees in the whole place, but there's one tree I don't want you to eat from. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from it. Don't eat from it, because in the day that you do, you will surely die. Well, a serpent who is more crafty than any of the other animals and beasts of the field that God had made came and tempted Eve with this fruit. Doesn't it look good? Don't you think it would taste good? Did God really say, don't eat from that tree? Did he really say, don't touch this? Really, God knows that you'll be even more like him if you eat this fruit because you'll know good and evil just like he does. What did Eve do? She took and she ate the fruit. Then she gave it to her husband and he ate too. And immediately they knew that they had done something wrong. God had told them not to do it. And they did it. They disobeyed. Sin entered their lives and evil came into the world. And every single person that was born was born with a sin nature. Except one. Because he was not of the seed of Adam. He was of the seed of his father in heaven. What's his name? Jesus. God put Jesus in Mary's womb. He was a human being. Had a human body. He got tired. You see him sleeping while he's ministering on earth. He became hungry. He had to eat food to stay alive. He was thirsty. He even cries out from the cross while he's dying. I thirst. He grew up. He was a little boy. Born as a baby. He grew up in physical stature. He also died. Jesus was a man, but he was God. He wasn't born with a sin nature. He had no sin in him whatsoever. He was the light that came into the world to rescue us from the darkness of our sin and wickedness. Now understand this. Every single human being is living in the domain of darkness. But Jesus came to provide a way out of the darkness. He came to be light to the world, to shine his light, to shine the truth into our hearts. And when we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins to rescue us from the domain of darkness, we're pulled out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We're transferred from the kingdom of Satan, the one who deceived Eve, to the kingdom of God, our Father in heaven. We're transferred from the kingdom of darkness, where sin is, 
to the kingdom of light where our Savior redeems us. Jesus provided us with redemption, that is the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God the Father looks like, you go to Jesus. He says he's the firstborn of all creation. <coughs> now, I don't want you to get this backwards at all. This word firstborn means that he is the chief, the one overall. In other words, he is the inheritor of all creation. In New Testament times as well as Old Testament times and most cultures across uh, the world throughout history, who did all of the possessions go to in a family when a father passed them on? The firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. That is, everything belongs to him. Why is that? Verse 16 says, For by him everything was created, both in the heavens and on earth. Things that are visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. There's nothing more powerful than Jesus, and there's nothing that Jesus doesn't have authority or dominion over. He has authority over you because he made you. He also has authority over you because he bought you with his blood. He has authority over the angels because he made them. They're servants. He even has authority over the ones who rebelled against him and his father and followed Satan and became demons. Jesus has power and he has authority. All things have been created through him and for him. And then it says he is before all things. This is how we know that Jesus wasn't just some created being by God. That is, he existed prior to everything. He's always been there. There's only one who's always been there, and it's God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is God. He's always been there, and he always will be. And in them, all things hold together. That is, he is both creator, originator, the source of life, but he's also the one who holds it all together. There's nothing that happens that he doesn't know about. He's also the head of the body, the church. That is, when these people like this in this room tonight gather together to worship him, to proclaim that he died for sins and rose again from the grave, he's the one who's in charge because this is really his church. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's not ours. It's his and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And this is what's amazing to me too. Remember I told you it's a historical fact that Jesus lived in Nazareth, that uh, some Jews didn't like him. They demanded he be crucified, and he was crucified at the hands of the Romans. Historians, whether they're Christians or not, don't deny that fact. Here's the real issue, and here's where people go, I don't know about that Jesus. Did Jesus really come back from the dead? I mean, think about it. If Jesus was just a guy that did a bunch of neat stuff, <coughs> miracles, magic tricks, whatever you want to call them, taught a bunch of really good things, maybe he's just an emotionally engaged speaker, maybe he taught the truth in ways that other people hadn't heard it before, that's great, that's wonderful. Maybe he even died at the hands of people that really shouldn't have killed him. And maybe he was innocent of the crimes that they charged against him. But did he really come back to life? Whew. That's the big question. 
And Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 that yes, he did. He is the firstborn from the dead. And this word firstborn, now think about it again. What does it mean? It means he has the keys to life because he defeated death. In fact, in the Bible, there's other people who are brought back to life from the dead before Jesus. Did you know that? There's a guy named Lazarus, one of Jesus' friends, who had died. And this happens in John chapter 11. Jesus comes and raises Lazarus back from the dead. How could it be that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead if he's not the first one to come back up out of his grave after dying? Because he is the first one, not just to be resuscitated and brought back to life, but he's the first one to be resurrected, never to die again. Let me think about it. You know what happened to Lazarus after he got back up out of his tomb? Eventually, he stopped breathing. His mind stopped working. His heart stopped beating. He died again. What happened to Jesus after he came back up out of his tomb? Did he die again? Is he ever going to die again? No. He lives forevermore. He is the firstborn from the dead. He's the beginning of what is to come. He's the firstfruits of the resurrection. If we believe in him, then we too will be raised to new life and eternity in heaven, never to die again. And when he rose again from the grave... It's his conquering victory that he himself will come to have the first place in everything. <coughs> Things belong to Jesus because he created all of them. People belong to Jesus because he created all of them. Everything in this universe belongs to Jesus because he purchased, he purchased his creation with his blood. But then he also sealed his redemption with his resurrection from the grave. Let me just think about this. If Jesus can't be killed, what can possibly stop him? And this isn't like some superhero comic book where when the next issue comes out, all of a sudden you're going to figure out a way to defeat Thanos. No. Jesus doesn't die. Ever again. He lives and he reigns and nobody can stop him. Not Satan, not the demons, not hell, not your sin, not your apathy, not anything or anybody. He's won. He's won. He has first place in everything. Some translations say that he has preeminence in all things. Why? Because it was the Father's good pleasure for all of the fullness to dwell in him. That is, he is God in the flesh. And through him, he reconciled all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. That's what's so radical about God the Son, about Jesus Christ. There was one of my friends that was talking with a Muslim man at one point. They've been debating about their religions, about which God was the true God, about Jesus being God or Jesus not being God. The Muslim accused my friend, the Christian, of being a, a polytheist, um, or not, not a person who believed in one God. He said, you believe in three gods. You believe in God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. My friend said, no, I don't believe in three gods. I believe in one God. He eternally exists in three persons. <coughs> he said, then tell me this. The Muslim man told my friend, he said, tell me this. Jesus is God. My friend said, yeah. 
He said, Jesus died on the cross. Your God died. My friend said, yeah, he did die. He died for you and he died for me. But here's reality. My God rose again. He said, if your God died, would your God come back to life? Folks, you can search the world over. You can look in all kinds of places. You will never find a God who will sacrifice himself for people who have rebelled against him and been his enemies and loved him for eternity and allow them to reign with him in glory in his kingdom. That's Jesus. That's who he is. That's what he's done. This is God the Son. I want to ask you this question. Do you know him? And have you believed in him? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you that he rose again, conquering death and sin and hell. God, I pray that if there's somebody here tonight who doesn't yet know him, who hasn't trusted in him and hasn't believed in him, God, that they would so that they can be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved son. So that they themselves can be called your children. God, we thank you for his sacrifice, for his blood that he shed. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. The band's going to come and, and dismiss us in one more song, I think. And uh, as they're making their way up here, I'm going to ask you to do something with me, if you would. Um, I got a, a couple things I, I want you to pray for with me. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'll give you these things to pray for real quick. I want you to pray for a, a lady named Miss Helen Foley. Um, she's, a, she's been a member of our church for a long time. And her son, Johnny, died this week. Um, Johnny's an, he's an older guy. Um, he made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ in this church back in 1988 and was baptized after that. Um, but she's, uh, she's been having a hard time these last couple of days. So we're going to pray for her. Pray for Miss Helen Foley. Uh, just pray that God would keep her encouraged and keep her strong in her faith. And here's the next thing I want you to pray for. You guys had an awesome time at One Life this weekend, some of you that, that went over there to Jonesboro. Um, and I, I haven't got to talk to everybody, but Coy told me this morning that there, was, uh, that there were some students that came to know Jesus while they were there. Maybe you're one of them, maybe you know uh, somebody who, who gave their lives to Jesus and became a Christian this weekend at One Life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for those students, your friends. May look, maybe even pray for yourself if you're one of those that just became a Christian this weekend. Pray that you'll love Jesus more and more every day. Pray that you'll grow in your faith and stand firm in the new life that God's given you. God, we do lift up Miss Helen to you. Pray your blessings and your comfort rest upon her. Pray that you be with the family tomorrow as they have Johnny's funeral. Lift them up to you and keep them encouraged. Lord, we ask that you would be with uh, the young men and women who have given their lives to you this last weekend at One Life. We pray that they would know 
Jesus, the resurrection and the life, that they'd grow in their faith, that they would love him more and more every day, that they'd share their faith with others and bring others to this new life as well. It's in his name we pray.